Guess who? And guess what? Footy Prime is launching a gin, and we're having a party to celebrate. Thursday, June 6th, join the whole FP crew for Footy Prime's one-night stand at Nickel Nine Distillery in Toronto. Come celebrate Footy Prime's one-ball gin with Nickel Nine Distillery mixologists on hand, Charmin's proper pies, meet and greet and photo ops with your favorite primers, and a live Atska's Almost Anything podcast. Footy Prime's one-night stand, June 6th at 7 p.m. till when we kick you out. Tickets at eventbrite.ca. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oi, the boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and, frankly, appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Gregor, Andy, Jimmy, JC. All we know and all we talk about is booty. It's time to get this party started tonight. You're listening to Footy Prime the Broadcast, a broad perspective of all things footy. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Did you say in breast? <laughs> I was just like, oh, they've got some. There it is. <laughs> Good start. I thought so. <laughs> hey, it's perfect. Yeah, I know. Just it's like a switch, right? I don't have it. Do all you don't have it because you're three hours earlier than I am. So, for everybody, this is Footy Prime the broadcast. We have Rian Wilkinson, we have Claire Rustad, and I'm Amy Walsh, and we're here for uh, a broad discussion, all things on all things football, specifically women's football. But we've been gone for a bit, so we're back. But it's seven a.m on the West Coast, which is where Claire and Rian are. Um, so they are to be forgiven, perhaps, for... You guys You guys are usually sharp. You're right on the ball. I don't have to make excuses for you. I mean, Claire's a doctor, so hopefully she is. But I don't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't need to be functioning. <laughs> but it's been a bit, right? The last time yeah. we chatted was uh, beginning of December, right before Sinky's farewell game at, at BC Place. So maybe we can start there before we move on to other things, because um, there's certainly a lot to discuss. But the first thing we should discuss is that Claire's making a school lunch while we're <laughs> while we're doing the broadcast. Sorry, the toaster just went off. <laughs> as women, we're multitaskers. As moms, we're multitaskers. So, and Claire's gone. She's yeah, she, washed she herself. Pressed the mute button and left the building. <laughs> so we'll be welcoming Claire back into the show. She should be coming back <laughs> or she was really offended. Yeah, that's that's clear. Well, I liked how you prefaced that with like women are multitaskers. I know. I no. Understand that it's really hard to multitask and Claire has left. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Turns out she can only focus on one thing. No, Sorry, future red, patients. <laughs> the red button that says leave studio is apparently not the mute button. <laughs> True. See, multitasking. We're good at yeah. 7 a.m. on the West Coast. <laughs> Do you want to be forgiven? Just start walking. Giant red button. That's, that's Come on. Oh, that shows my really messy kitchen. 
<laughs> that was a euphemism, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, we have a lot to get to. We have a special guest today, Miriam Karabi from She Scores Bangers. is going to join us in a little bit. But I thought at first we would just kind of catch up. So, yeah, so impressions from maybe this fall. The team qualifies for Paris. Really great turnaround um, from a really poor performance at the Women's World Cup. Uh, Bev gets an extension. We'll dive into that later. Uh, but great run of form in those friendlies. And uh, I think capped off with a great evening and a great salute to both Sinky and Sophie Schmidt and Aaron McLeod as well. No, it was, it was really nice. I think I told you, Amy, that it was almost overwhelming because I, so I can't imagine for those three, um, just I could never finish a conversation. There was just another person to see and it was lovely. And I think the alumni have been crying out for an event or to a yearly event where the Canadian alumni can come back together. And it was yeah. great seeing all, all different eras there, which, uh, which was, which was wonderful. And um, yeah, I, I hope Sinky, Sophie, Aaron really felt the love. They've been stalwarts for the team for a long time and, I mean, everyone will rightly speak about Sync, but equally, Aaron um, and Sophie have been huge parts of this program. So I'm so glad that they were able to have that moment as well. Uh, so it was it was a wonderful few days. Yeah, and as much criticism as as Canada soccer gets, I think that that was executed to perfection. I had I had my doubts, and Claire, you can maybe speak to this because we were both you were on the call, I was on the panel that was pitch side, um, and that was a privilege that was wonderful. And then we also got to catch up with our fellow alumni after the fact, even though I was looking up longingly at that mm -hmm. at that box and wishing I was I was pounding drinks up there with everybody. Um, but I, but I think they did they did a really good job. Canada Soccer did. Um, what were your impressions, Claire? Yeah, there were, I mean, there were a few, there were a few funny things that Luke and I were giggling about, like the one kid in the middle of the anthems who really had to pee and, <laughs> and, and did the long run across the field to the tunnel it was pretty funny. There's one, there was one thing I wish they had changed and that's, it seemed a shame for the team to go out on the field and then have, have Sinky come in after the fact, like it, she didn't get to lead her team out for that final game. And that kind of felt, I don't know. I, it kind of felt like, I mean, it's not Sinky to have the spotlight directly on just her like that. And it kind of felt like it, I wish, I wish she'd had a chance to do that to like lead the team out one more time. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, but then seeing it and I thought that was the wrong. I know it ended up looking we okay. Talked about it. I thought it was great. Rian, you were, you yeah. were part of that that 2012 winning team that gave all three players that guard of honor on the, on the pitch. And I, I just thought that was wonderful. Yeah. Like it, in, in the theory, end, it, it looked sounded great. wrong, but in practice, it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. didn't know about it. I didn't know it was going. I think the only thing for me, it was, it was really nice. Like that team, we, we all lived together. I mean, we spent so much time together, that team, but what the only thing I would say is it, it, not that any alumni said this, but it almost divided the alumni. And I was like, well, Come on, Rian, call somebody out. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> Who, was, Who it? was it? No, there wasn't. I just feel like there's this alumni event I was saying that we were calling out for. And then all of a sudden it was almost like tiered. <laughs> there's the team. Oh, you mean like between 2012 and the rest of what else? There's even mm -hmm. like a, a sweater um, for some of the alumni, not for all the alumni, because some were on the field. And um, and I thought Canada Soccer did brilliantly. I actually told them, I wrote to them, I thought for all the, the shit they, they get, and a lot of it is rightly so. Um, I have said before, there is a group that works for Canada Soccer that kill themselves every day. They do the job mm -hmm. of men. Um, and that was a huge event to put on. Yeah, um, and we saw many of them on the ground, hard at work. Because they are, there's no one else. This is just them. They're the person that does events is literally on the field doing events, but also in the office running. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Amazing. Um. So only it was a wonderful idea. I loved it. I just felt like a little bit of like a uh oh shoot, like all these people up up in the suite who maybe got a different um experience. So that's all. I don't know. And then what do you guys think now? So um, and, and we'll get to the, the rumors have been Jesse Fleming um, sightings in Portland as this uh, as this window comes to a close um, and nothing yet formally announced um, after she's not featured for Chelsea since December 20th and then rumored to be going 
to Portland Thorns for a record signing fee. Um, but uh, what do you guys think about Sinky re-upping there and then her kind of run of form individually playing out what should be her last year with the Thorns in the NWSL? Do you, she has said that she will not play for a Project 8 team. Do you guys see that happening? Do you see like her having a hard stop after this year? One second, I'm dealing with a crisis. I'll be right. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a... I, I think there is room for it to not be a hard stop in terms of um, how she wants to play out her Portland, the end for like her end of playing for Portland. I mean, I've told Sinky as well. I mean, this woman could play till she's 55 if she's comfortable with the, her role changing. And I think that's really hard for our top, top players. I don't mean Canadian. I mean, anywhere that you are the linchpin of your team, everything for you. And all of a sudden you're a bit part player. You don't maybe play every game. You don't dress every game. Um, that's almost impossible sometimes for these players. So Sinky's uh, year this year will be really telling because I think she's been getting fewer minutes as her career has come to a close. And this year um, they've got a team that's, you know, got a title to re rewin and, and get back onto the top and they're going to be challenged the whole way. And she's going to be a role player and how that sits with her, you know, it's, it's going to be really difficult. So we'll see how that goes. But I think if she can embrace her role, like there's, there is a definite uh, call for her and Becky Sauerbrunn to look at uh, doing a little bit of um, coaching as well as playing maybe in the last year, just to help them, help them move out and maybe introduce them to a coaching role, which I think they'd both be wonderful at. Mm. And uh, you, you touched on something there really critical for players like Sinky, these generational talents or players who are used to things being built around them and being comfortable with adapting and being comfortable with the changing role. Um, and I don't know if I really see that happening. I think we, we've seen some reticence on our part to, to do that. Right. Like, yes, yeah, she's not comfortable with the spotlight, but she's also not comfortable being peripheral. Um, so it, it, Claire, how do you see that playing out for, for Christine Sinclair as, as she closes out her, her club career? I don't know. I mean, I, you'd almost think that something, I mean, something has changed because she's retired from the international game. So you'd almost expect that she's probably changed her mindset somewhat about her club, it's a good point. Um, her club role as well. Um, and I think this was always her plan, right? Like, I think she was always pretty clear that, yeah, yeah, always her plan from the moment we all found out that she was going to retire, um, like which feels like five weeks ago. Um, but uh, that that she would play another season out with her club team, I think it makes sense. Um, I mean, I at the same time, I could have easily seen her uh, kind of do both at once, but I think it's a bit of a softer landing to to um, play another club year and and not just kind of cut everything off. Um, I agree with Rian. I think she'll probably be involved in some way in Portland. I, I can't imagine she wouldn't. Um, I I can't speak for Christine in that I don't have a clue as to whether or not she's interested in coaching or not. Um, yeah, I was somebody, when I, re when I retired, I was like, nope. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I, I mean, there were a lot of reasons why I really needed to to kind of distance myself and, but uh, yeah. I, so I, I think that, that, that'll, that'll be the, I think it's not necessarily this year when she's playing, that'll be as interesting as kind of next year when she stops, like what, what really will be the plan. And I don't think yeah. any of us will know until she's ready to tell us. <laughs> yep. For sure. Yeah. We'll know when we'll know, but it's funny how the three of us, when we retired, we're like out, we're gone. And then yeah. all three of us are, are back in the game in some respect. Which is, yeah. which is very And cool. like, in sort of surprise, I never would have thought I'd be back in the way that I am. Like, I never would have thought that, like, being on TV would have been the thing. Um, that's not, that's not something I saw in the book. So like, I think that your, your post career career could surprise you in a way. So um, yeah. I'm not, that's why I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what capacity she'll, or what role she'll take afterwards. Yep. You well, said oh. interesting, Claire. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I think it's often said about Sink that she doesn't like the limelight. She's not interested. That's obviously true. You see that through her actions. But also, she has spent the last 20-plus years in the limelight. It's what she's used to. She is a soccer player. She 
he is goat she is that is a, a heavy heavy title and role to play but also she's used to it and so when yeah. you see soft landing she lives in portland that's her city it's her team um so yeah i see her definitely having a big part to play in portland in the future as well as now and what that looks like that's for her to answer but i do think and we've so- talked about it retirement is impossible it's impossible yeah. to get through without some kind of weird depression, identity crisis. And for those players that are stars, it's a hundred times worse. And so yeah. for Stinky, I, I wish her um, support system, but also a connection to the team for as long as she needs, because it is really hard. And I think this will be a tough time for her. Yep. Really wise words, yep. Ryan, for sure. But on that note, and we will get this next person's take on this issue because I'm eager to hear what she has to say, but we will bring on our good friend, Miriam. Hi, Miriam. Hello, how are you? Welcome, good, how about you? I'm very well. Thank you for being so patient. We had a lot to say right off the top. Oh, I was very much like locked in listening. I was (laughs) (laughs) droning. Okay, terrific. Well, I'm just gonna let everybody know if they don't know already who you are. Are you still 20? 21. 21. What? Claire, we're just going to move on. Okay. (laughs) We're not going to stay fixated on that. Okay. So I feel like I need Botox like during this podcast. (laughs) That's right. Or just stretch your face just a little bit or move move away from the camera. Just take take two steps back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. Okay, back to Miriam. So at only 21 years old, she's the founder of She Scores Bangers, um, a platform to provide accessible content about women's sports, but more specifically women's football. Um, She's also involved in Canada Soccer Daily, writing all things women's soccer news, opinions, analysis and breakdowns and weekly roundups of women's soccer and Canadians abroad. So we're really chuffed, really pleased that you could join us, Miriam. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome. Yeah. Did you have anything to say or to add to that discussion about about Christine as she sort of gets closer to the end of her career on the club side? I think I probably have similar thoughts to Claire of like she enters this last year with a different mindset, knowing that this is the last year. This mindset would have not been the same like two or three years ago where she knew retirement was coming. She just didn't know when that last season was going to be. So when she puts that pen to paper of the last season, there's a different aura around how to conduct herself, a different, like, uh, I guess, understanding of the players that are going to be around her. They're going to be the next ones to take on kind of that midfield um, leadership role. So a different mindset coming into this last season, because that's what you'd expect. So it's hard to kind of put it, you know, kind of put your finger on it of what she's going to be looking like or how she'll conduct herself, because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen her go on on a final season. We've seen the last few games, but now you're seeing it as a final season. Yeah, for sure. Um, But getting into more about you, um, how did this all start? The (laughs) She Scores Bangers? How long have you been at it? And what was the motivation to to begin it? Because it's grown into something pretty impressive. Yes. Um, Honestly, I think it was a year and a half ago in the summer where I had just finished my second year of uni and I was out of a job because we just relocated houses. So I was like at home watching Sunday games and Saturday games and whatnot, but there was nothing in between. And I was able to really become a big fan and like consume a lot of the sport, but I realized there was a big 
whole, I, I guess, in covering the sport of like nitty gritty conversations, like having tough discussions, bringing in a bit of a wider perspective on the women's game, because I think or a, or a broad perspective, you might say, Marianne. Bingo. <laughs> you got to be careful here. <laughs> exactly that. Um, I, I think it's it's brilliant how much the game has grown in Europe and specifically in England and obviously the NWSL, but this still feels there was a big hole in like talking a little bit a little bit more about Scandinavian teams in English or German teams also in English. Um, but even NWSL teams from like a non-American perspective just to weigh in a little bit differently on it. So that's kind of, I guess, the starting point of it of like, let's just talk about it and engage in conversations. And I guess through the through the way I like learned a little bit more in that summer when I launched, it was the Euros. So it was a fantastic time period to jump onto things and 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 just like it, there was a lot of conversation happening anyway. So it was good to jump on that wave. Um, and yeah, so it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of free time and consuming the sport. And I was like, there's a little bit more that I wanted to know as a fan. And like I every time I conduct an interview or a podcast or whatever, maybe I'm putting on the shoe of a, an audience of like, what do I want to know about this? What don't I know about this? Um, so yeah, I, I still use that perspective. Hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, it's been like a fantastic almost year and a half now. Nice. And, and you've seen really outstanding growth as well. Like I'm just looking, I'm not even looking at your, your YouTube subscribers or your podcast subscribers, but on, on Twitter alone, you've got almost 13,000 followers. Yeah, that which crushes me, Miriam. How dare you? <laughs> I just that's that's not fair, is it? <laughs> it, it yeah, no, I, I can't. I'm not gonna lie. It's been like a bit surprising. I have to admit. Um, but it's. It, I think I've been lucky with the time that I did launch the Euros. Right mm-hmm. afterwards was the World Cup, so there was a lot of conversation happening already, and it was just a matter of making sure that I'm putting myself in that conversation in the right way and just kind of filling a hole in the market. Um, I think a lot of the videos that I've tried to produce on my YouTube channel, a lot of like analysis videos, which takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of taking perspective from others, but you jump onto YouTube and you write like Manchester city, Liverpool, EPL, how did Manchester city win? You'd see like 20 videos. If you're logging onto YouTube and you're like, how did Liverpool be Arsenal in the opening game? You're not going to see any of that. And so it was a matter of looking at what is missing in the market and what do audience want to see and kind of trying to learn to f- to fill that hole because again as a a fan and audience I want to see that and I want to learn that so it's kind of the perspective that I was taking with a lot of the content and it it's good it's grown because a lot of the audience also wants to see those things that I wanted to see as a fan um so yeah I was just taking perspectives and kind of like being open to learn a lot of things and I'm, I'm still learning as I go with it um so yeah no it's been remarkably fun I have to say I have a question yeah. <laughs> oh, did I just interrupt Rian? Sorry, Rian. <laughs> I was just say I was going to say like there's definitely a need, but I think there's a consistency that's required. The the women's fan base is is uh, mighty and they're <laughs> and they're knowledgeable and they're invested. So that takes a, a lot of time investment, but also um, I would say that the women's game you have to go find it. It's not readily accessible. So thank you for for helping to promote it. I think just like Clara and and Amy, like this is what's exciting about the women's game is um, it's not going anywhere. It's only growing. And so having people on board who are willing to put out quality content and to really invest in um, in doing their research and learning, it's, it's been really exciting to follow that. So thank you for doing that. Of course. And it's been fun. And this podcast, the broadcast is always like my go to commute when I'm going to school. Like before I jump into like 10 lectures, I need to get this in. <laughs> please, yeah. tell, please tell us it's not because we're considered like retro. <laughs> no, it's a lot of good jokes and a lot of good conversations about women's football. So like it, it hits like two birds in one stone. But also, Claire, what's wrong with being retro? <laughs> I know it's actually kind of cool. Yes. I guess we like I mean, I was born in what, 83 and like all the 80s stuff i mean 90s grunge is coming back in style right so like okay fine did you have a question claire yes i did miriam i was wondering (laughs) i was about to say when you were growing up but you're 20 and you still are um but um what was your experience like with soccer when you were a kid like what what brought you to the game and what kept you with it for this long 
Um, it was actually funny because I, I was born and raised in Dubai, so I, was, I didn't actually grow up in Canada. Um, and I had genuinely never seen a woman soccer player up until I was like maybe 12, just because that genuinely doesn't exist in that area at all. So I'd play a lot of soccer with my brother. Like I'd see him go off to his academy and club, but I would just be like, what about me? Like, I want to go too. Like, that's not fair. So Older him brother, and I- Miriam, sorry to interrupt. Twin brother, actually. Twin brother, hey, cool. <laughs> There's a lot of twin connection in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it was great to have somebody my age because we would just play constantly. Like the weather there is not helpful anyway, but when the winter would roll around, we'd just be out playing every day until I remember like, I think great- five six i don't know what like 11 10 is but i had a pe teacher who used to be a former northern ireland player that was our pe teacher and she started playing soccer and i was like oh my god you're so good at this like how do you how do you do that and she was like oh i used to play professional football and i was like that's crazy like you exist i was like <laughs> shocked <laughs> so she was i think I, I do credit her a lot her name is rachel Cromie. i don't know what she's up to now probably teaching pe as well but um, she would like show me a lot of the clips and videos and it was just like a, I was thrown into a new world. So since then, it was funny because after a few years, then we moved here to Canada and then I was like, oh, like this is a pretty big world here. Um, I was just gravitated, was looking for how I can watch it. So I was I got into the game a bit later, like I was played soccer, just didn't know women's soccer was a thing until um, my great PE teacher was like, no, it does actually exist. And it's a pretty big world. And it was just awesome to actually connect with a former professional like herself. And yeah, I credit a lot of what I know and just my exposure to the game to her. Basically. And when you were, when you came to Canada, how old were you? Uh, fifth, 14. Yeah. 14. And then did you take to the sport immediately? Were you able to play in a club? I wasn't able to play. I think there was a, a moment of like adjustment and just like adjusting to the culture shock. And when it was about like 15, 16, I was, it was funny. I started like volunteering at a, like Oakville soccer club where Dana Matheson used to be. And it's funny because you'd go in and like, she's got all the jerseys and like, they love repping her there. So coach Cara Lang, I think too. I think yeah. there's cars from there too. Yeah. Yeah. They've got like their jerseys signed in, in the lobby. Um, so I wasn't able to like play anything just because I was like, I don't know what the system is here. Like, is it rep? Is it house league? Like, well, what are these names that are being thrown at me? So I was involved like volunteering just because I wanted to be around of like, how do they do it here? Like, who are these kids who are like three years old for a PA day playing soccer? Like, wh- what does this look like? So I wasn't able to play like I was playing in high school, um, but it just I think it was I moved too late to actually take any professional step or like proper step. But I still play varsity at university like high school used to be really fun nothing professional but it's it's fun to to keep playing yeah Yeah. can I ask how you felt in the world cup when we saw our first player come on the field wearing the Nike hijab in that moment (laughs) for women's soccer it was about all the time but I thought it was yeah coolest moment we actually saw action steps and not talk about inclusion it was incredible and to see a lot of folks actually look at her and be like wow like we had never thought this could happen was I I honestly struggle to put into worlds because as somebody who grew up not knowing there was women's soccer and then be introduced to women's soccer again not knowing there could be somebody who looks like me also play was like a big thing and to see how she conducted herself in interviews and saying that she too when she was growing growing up she didn't have anybody do this at the fifa women's world cup like that is the biggest stage to make that statement and i think what was just the universe put it together is when they played france in the round of 16 she was playing against a country where had she been french she couldn't be on that team Mm -hmm. and i think you know it's funny how the draw worked but for france to be the team that knocked them out which again i don't think they were expecting to beat france and go past the round of 16 but to, ha- to see that play out and be like, if she had just been in the opposite jersey, she wouldn't be allowed to do that. It was like yeah. another another moment of there's still a lot of work to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but that picture or those photos of her playing and just being on the ball goes a long way. And I've already had so many conversations with those within my community that are like, yeah, she played at the FIFA World Cup. Like, it's crazy. And those pictures servicing from Morocco as well. Not only just proud of the girls making it to the World Cup, but also her showing other girls in Morocco that regardless of what you look like, regardless of what your skin color is, you can make it up to the FIFA World Cup. So I think that is a moment that was just incredible to witness. And when they qualified and she was called up, like it was fantastic to see how genuinely 
excited everybody was to to just see that play out. In yeah. many in many ways, that's a microcosm of the women's game currently. Don't you think like that juxtaposition of that player from Morocco breaking a barrier, but then being faced against a powerhouse in a women's game where she would be barred from playing. She wouldn't be allowed to compete. And then I think it's where we find ourselves after that World Cup where you see such a high level of competition. You see parity, bumping it up to 32 teams, fearful of these routes. But in many ways, we just see a, a massive growth of the game, but then still hampered by by issues that are either overt or still underlying in different cultures around the world. Um, so where do you think, like, what are you most excited about in this in this coming year for for women's soccer? And where do you think is is where we really need to be doing the work? An easy question, Mary. Go for it. <laughs> oh, it's not loaded at all. Um, I think, well, I think it's uh, going off that is I'd be excited to see if Morocco get get qualification for the Olympics because that would also be another scene of her playing in France um, for the Olympics. Um, I think, man, it's a big question. Um, I think I, I'd enjoy seeing uh, safe sports. I think it's been a bit upsetting to see the reports come out of Spain. I think that's been a hot topic now with you know players being mistreated and players not being heard in terms of uh, wanting to change literally basic equipment in their gym or changing how training goes or, or whatever it may be where players then are kind of bribed to, you know, stop talking and then I'll give you the minutes to play X, Y, and Z league games. And those reports out of Spain every single week are upsetting. Um, in England, I think there's still a lot of big, I think we love to talk about the success in the WSL, but we have to recognize the huge gap, for example, between Bristol and Arsenal. Like those gaps need to be addressed. Um, those players at the bottom, not all of them are professional. So I think a huge step is making sure that players are actually being taken care of in terms of safe sports, where they show up to their job knowing that they are safe, um, but also addressing the professionalizing problem. I don't think that's a word, but I just made it a word. Um, but uh, across leagues. You know what you uh, mean. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's, it's in every league, really. It's not just the WSL. Same thing with Liga F. Um, half of the teams at the bottom are not professionalized yet. Um, and the from Bundesliga, the teams that are getting relegated are those that are not professional um mm. and it's just sad to see a lot of clubs that have huge history like i think potsdam from from bundesliga had huge players that played for them you're talking like out of hagerberg you know the big giants in europe and the the team was not fully professionalized it was financially struggling last season and got relegated this is a club who won champions league so it's making sure that those teams who are struggling to survive are actually given that push to almost give them a bit of a chance to make themselves try to survive um and and that whole professional making them go professional i think gives them a big boost so those would be my two things i think I yeah, and I, I think this <laughs> to set the standards right across the board and maybe reen you can talk about that a little bit with yeah. with project eight coming in in 2025 um hoping to start a league and obviously one of two countries at that Women's World Cup, Haiti being the other that didn't have a domestic professional league, but now beginning, yes, it's late. We're late to the party in Canada, but immediately once this league gets going, that the standards are set high so that the players are well supported. And maybe you can talk about the importance of that. Yeah, well, I'm just going to double back and just say, I think Mir Miriam is reminding us the um, importance of representation and we forget it because the women's game has grown to a point where we're like, this is doing so well, it's so healthy. We're still so much at the starting in the starting blocks and some teams are further ahead, but the game itself, the women's game is in the starting blocks and uh, and that's what we forget. So there's, there's an investment thing that we can't forget. So teams like Potsdam, when you try and compete with the financials of bringing Ada Hedeberg's or Marta's onto your team, it's really easy to overspend because these players are have earned the ability to, to make great amounts of money. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to build. But to do that and to keep it, we have to create the environment first. And I'm a big I'm a big proponent of that. And I know I'm I'm pushing it for Project 8. I think um, leagues make mistakes when they try and bring in like pay all the money for players first before they're bringing in the kind of coaches that you that will keep players here they get their infrastructure in line which is something in Canada we, we've got to be aware of that we've got a weather problem but we also have a facility problem we do not have many soccer fields here that are stadiums 
Um, and, and a geography problem. <laughs> and, and a geography problem. Um, so I think that's something that uh, we've got to be aware as we're building that this is this is a league that we want running healthily um, 10, 20, 30 years down the line. What's going to bring players here? Um, well, it's going to be making sure that we've got great staff around them. That includes technical, but it also includes medical. It includes administration, knowing that we do have a geography problem and there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, so how do we do that in the most professional way so that players want to stay? Um, and yeah, just make sure that we've, we're, we're getting eyes on on these games. So yeah, Miriam talked about YouTube, making sure that our social media um, heroes here that are following the game for, for very little return um, financially are, are doing it because they, they love the game and helping us to grow it, making sure just like the PWHL, it's available on a lot of channels and people can watch it because, and I think, um, Miriam, how am I saying your name? I don't want to say it incorrectly. Miriam? No, it's perfect. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, I just want, I just think that, you know, we, we do think the women's game is in a healthy place and, and it is in a lot of ways, but we, we cannot rest here. This is where we've got to keep pushing and make sure people can see it. And I know soccer people know about the women's game. It's, it's the, it's the young girls, women, maybe they're immigrants, maybe they're not who haven't had access to the game to make sure that they feel like they are going to have an opportunity to play professionally here in Canada um, and not have to go abroad because we lose players and it's not, let's just look at Quebec. It's not, we don't have to go far to look. We don't even have to look at um, religion or skin color. We just have to talk about, we have a language problem here in Canada that we haven't been even servicing in terms of um, our documents, in terms of um, our pathway includes the U S schools at this time. So you're having French players who have to go to school in French and university. We're losing a huge part of our player population after high school. Um, anyway, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> No, but it's, it's important, though, like removing the, those barriers so that we have a, a greater pool, a deeper pool of players to, to choose from. And then as those players come up through the pipeline, they have places to play. Yeah. And that's going to yeah. uphold the league. I think part of what I find so frustrating is. And yeah, I mean, the game wasn't uh, wasn't the same, you know, even seven, eight years ago certainly wasn't the same um, 20 years ago when we had the under 19 tournament in Edmonton, but back it just feels like they've been back in my day. Hey, Miriam, what year were you born in? Don't do it. Claire Rusta. <laughs> Miriam, <laughs> don't say it. We can she all do the math. We don't need to you say were, it. You were, bo- you were born in 2002, weren't you? I did the no, math. She's 21. Just showing off with your math. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, but, but I just think of these. Yes. Just a second, buddy. Yeah, just right now, really. Um, the, uh, hi, I think there were just so many, he says hi. Uh, there were so many moments, um, particularly on the women's side for Canada soccer, there's so many moments over the past, say, 20 years where um, uh, that I feel like we're squandered, that we're, that we're wasted. And now we're in a, in a, I mean, Rian, you're talking specifically, I was just thinking about the infrastructure and the the facility comment. It's like, that's really expensive now. And it's like, we missed these windows where we had, where, where the program in particular had momentum and had a fan base. And where legacy, and legacy been, funding from 2015, right? And you legacy can, funding, like all of these moments where it's just like, why not then? And I get that there's just, there, it is a bit different from a professional standpoint now, but um, I, I think that, I find that so frustrating. These these moments that came where like the, the, the nation, it, they were the focus of of um, like we were talking about during that during Christine's last game. We were talking about how in 2012, like that team became mainstream media. Like that became it became a uh, you know a sports center team. Like it was talked about on those kind of like main sports shows and mm-hmm. and and on the news and in it's the like zeitgeist the, and the culture. It was zeitgeist. there and it's, the love that I use that word. It's like now, do it now. And here we are. And it's like 11 years later. Um, and I, I think I just, I find that, so, I know there's nothing I can do about it, but I find that so frustrating. Yeah. You're, um, you're going to kill yourself in that way. Like we just, we're late. Yes, we, I know. We, 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 Welcome yeah. to my world. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thank goodness we've gotten something going here and Project Aid and Diana kicking this into motion because 
I agree with you. There's so many missed opportunities, but we're going to, we're, we can't die on that hill because it's, it is now and things are only going to get more expensive from here. So it's like, what are we, what are we waiting for? And that, and that is, uh, I hope something that propels us forward because being late, missing the opportunity, we've done that already. We just got to get going. Yep. Yeah. I know. And I think like, like financially, I'm not, I don't know, you know, how Canada soccer is doing. Yes. Um, Well, Claire, actually on that note, that, that is, that's my segue. We have many things that we have to get to, and we're running out of time. Yeah, we have seven um, minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. But the first thing is, talking about Canada soccer, is Bev Priestman gets extended until 2027. By the way, this is my weekly all-caps announcement. There's still no host for the Women's World Cup in 2027. Okay, I will leave that. Um, Salt so- Spring Island has a great field, so... There we go. So how are you feeling about this? My sort of knee-jerk or my gut reaction was... I think it's good to reward Bev. I think it was a really tough turnaround after uh, a poor performance at the World Cup. She navigated that really well, made brave decisions in terms of player selection, in terms of tactics. I was pleased to see it. There were some other people who were critics of it, said that she, you know, strategic and tactical failures amongst other things. So I wanted to get you guys, your your quick take on, on the Bev Priestman extension. Miriam, why don't you start? Uh, I don't think I was one of those critics. I think this was probably the right decision to take that turnaround to qualify for the Olympics after what was a very, very tough World Cup. I think showed a lot of bravery, a lot of character, a lot of toughness and and calling these big calls. She's also one of the few head coaches that has a a contract running to 2027. So she actually has the opportunity to properly build for the World Cup. A lot of the European head coaches, all their most, at least their their contracts run after the Euros in 2025. So Canada locking this down and making sure that they have a few years to properly build to that 2027 World Cup, I think is, is key. And Canada soccer has not had a lot of stability. This is the stability that the team has needed and, and wants mm-hmm. building forward. It's that continuity piece, right? That they're so sorely lacking. A hundred percent. Yeah, I honestly, I, I love what you just said. I, I think I do think there were a lot of mistakes at the World Cup. And I believe Bev would say that as well. And I, I loved how she reacted. I think she would have had offers from other places to, to go. And I think she probably did. Don't you think, Rian? For sure. For sure. And she stuck with it. And I think th- not just the, the, the choices she made in team selection and, and team formations, um, but sticking with Canada soccer that is not in a great spot. It continues not to be, but it's actually better now than it was then. Um, I thought showed, an, again, a lot of character and, and belief. She knows the landscape. Um, there'll be players that are happy. There'll be players that won't. Welcome to teams, you know, like, um, but I, I do think it, it allows um, a really stable building platform, especially with the professional league coming. We know someone who knows the landscape, knows the players, knows the people, um, and has really shown a, a growth in her coaching. So I think she's earned this. I'm really excited for her and happy for her um, and looking forward to seeing uh, a pretty exciting team at the Olympics because I do think Canada um, itself has a team. She had to contend with the retirement of the best ever player. She had to re- contend with the retirement of a Sophie Schmidt, of Desi Scott getting hurt. Like, I don't think we can just... Rash of injuries, funding pulled. I mean... So much, so much yeah. she had to work with. Um, I think that this Olympics will be a telling moment that will will be challenging, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her uh, rise to it. Yeah, I think... I, I, it's not, this isn't a very fun podcast. We all agree with each other guys. Um, but I do think that if Ed, if there's anything that the program needed right now, it's some stability because with all of the other peripheral stuff going on, um, and with the number of changes, like I was, uh, in the camp that, that those Jamaica games after the, um, after the world cup, I mean, those were sort of her, make it or break it games like something had to change um and we've talked about this before but 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 some sorry i'm just, <laughs> it's like a drop morning here just, guys just vanished below the camera there um but it's it something had to change and something did and and in 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 a very positive way okay maybe it'll fall out yeah, it's going to come out, buddy. Sorry, we're losing teeth. Um, so something changed in a very thank, positive thank way. Thank God he's and, talking about it too. That's all I'll say. I know. Um, 
so like the formation change and I think even the personnel change, like bringing, bringing some new players into the fold, because for me, what the World Cup felt like was that it had really stagnated. And that was the moment she needed to change that, needed to change that. I agree with Rian with, with the assessment of the World Cup. There were some selection issues and some formation issues. There was a lot of things that went on there that I was, I was frustrated with, but, um, but making those changes so soon after the World Cup and now, yes, contending with a big transition for this team, um, and, and it seems silly to say that about just one player, but I mean, it's Christine Sinclair. It's not just one player, um, but, and it's not just one player. Sophie also leaving in yeah, just a second, buddy. Um, but, but contending with that big of a transition, because that's, that's not just a formation change. That's not just a personnel change. That's a mindset change for the team as well. Um, and so I was glad I, I, I could not imagine them going looking for a new coach right now. Oh my God. I just, I can't deal with it too much on my plate to have to deal with thinking about that so I, I think it was a good move and I think um I think that someone asked me recently kind of how I thought they were going to do with the Olympics and and it's just I don't know I don't know it could be it could be a huge surprise and they could go on a run and it could be an early like I an early exit like I really just genuinely don't know um which is uh, kind of an exciting place to be in. Um, but uh, I, I just really hope that they build on the, the positive changes that they've made um, within the way that they're playing. It's certainly more attacking and certainly a more attacking game. And, and I, I, I hope that that momentum continues. Yeah, I think we're seeing also with, with the player selection, the players that Bev is bringing in, we're seeing different profiles of players that I think are more complementary to one another and then fit into the, you know, a, a tactically fluid team. You know, they're not as rigid in their approach as they used to be, but a player that is going to be built around for, for success for the next couple of years is Jesse Fleming. And so it's not been announced yet as this January transfer window comes to a close tomorrow being, being the 31st. So hopefully there's an announcement imminent. Apparently there's been Jesse Fleming sightings, in Portland. Um, so the cab driver is going to tell on you. <laughs> that's it. Apparently it was a cab driver. He said she was a delight, which I'm not surprised to hear. But yeah, apparently Jesse Fleming's there. So hopefully an announcement is coming soon. But Miriam, I wanted to get your take because you do know the, the WSL very, very well. Um, what you think of Jesse moving away from Chelsea uh, and then maybe just touch a little bit on, on Emma Hayes and her, how her departure to the U.S. women's national team um, at the end of this of this WSL season um, might, I don't think it'll spark an exodus of players, but do you think that that might be a factor in, in maybe some players leaving? 100%. I think for Jesse, this was definitely the right move to do it now. I think it was a question of, is she going to leave in the January window or is she going to leave in the summer window? I think we had known that she was going to leave regardless. Um, but I think the fact that you or Chelsea had a lot of injuries in the likes of Sam Kerr that was already dealing with a calf injury. Gerwrighton was out. They had a few missed players in, in the midfield. Aaron Cuthbert missed a few games. You had all these injuries happening. And Chelsea, and sorry, Jesse was still not getting starts in the WSL. She'd gone a few minutes at the Cup games and the Champions League, but still was not being chosen for to, to start or just play minutes really in the league. And I think it looked like for her every game was just a backstep almost. Every game was she was still sitting on the bench and so for Jesse, she needs to get those playing minutes and she de deserves to get those minutes I think it was very similar to like Beth England last season who also left in the January window who is a player who could start in any other squad is starting in in Spurs she's captaining mm -hmm. the team like she's taken on that role and it's the same situation with Jesse that she could be starting in any other squad I think Emma Hayes had spoken about Jesse being or her biggest qualities in the squad was her counter-pressing abilities. Um, but she still wasn't in favor for Emma Hayes. So I think Chelsea get a, a, a good chunk of money here. Jesse gets playing time, which I think is great for Canada as well. Like she's getting picked up for Canada regardless, but it'd be better that she's match fit and she's getting all those minutes for Canada and Portland get a, a fantastic player like her for Emma Hayes leaving. I think this was another, this is, this was definitely the conversation because I think if she's not getting those minutes under Emma Hayes, it's going to be a much harder task to prove to the new head coach that, Hey, I need to be starting. If you're not doing this with Hayes, it's, it's just become that much of a tougher task with the, with the new head coach. Um, and as for Chelsea, she's most definitely very involved in the contract extensions. Like they just extended Sam Kerr. Frank Kirby is in, in negotiations, apparently. Um, Aki Beaver-Jones, one of their youngsters, 
also getting a, a contract extension. So it looks like Emma Hayes. One Hazen, of the best names in women's soccer or sport. I absolutely. A hundred percent. So it looks like she's involved in these negotiations of the players that they want to keep, they want to build around. And those who are maybe they're unsure about are trying to get good fees for them, just like um, uh, Jesse Fleming. So I think Emma is, is very, very involved in the turnaround. And I think you wouldn't expect her to do anything else. Like she's involved in the contract extensions, like always and the player uh, being brought in and, and whoever the new head coach is, coming afterwards um she's weighing in her her decision which i think is great this is what chelsea deserves and this is i think what she owes them in terms of okay i spent almost a decade here i'm leaving but i'm going to make sure that there's a good turnaround whoever comes in next is, is able to take over mm-hmm. rian what's your take i mean you know the thorns very very well um jesse moves over she'll get a chance to play with sync in sinks last year um you have Janine Becky coming back from the ACL injury, who is part, we should say, of, of Bev's provisional roster for the Women's Gold Cup upcoming on starting on February 20th. So how do you think she slots in there and 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 how do you think the players who are already there will will sort of help her and how will they complement one another? Yeah, I have a lot to say on this, but I know Claire's to go. So I didn't know if you wanted Claire to yeah, Claire, did you want no, to weigh in? I'm, I'm okay for a few more minutes. Milo's okay. being surprisingly independent right now, so I'm good. <laughs> um, I, I think it's an interesting, I think it's a knee-jerk reaction from Jesse to go because I think she would mm. play under a new coach. But when you've been at a club for as long as Chelsea's been, um, Jesse's been at Chelsea and you're not getting, it's almost like she's got such a great attitude. She's, she's always there, shows up. It's really hard to change a coach's mindset. So I'm really glad. I think she could probably should have gone before now. Um, But I'm glad that she's gotten frustrated enough that she's making a decision on the move to Portland. Like Jesse, I have a lot of time for Jesse, but I think her game needs sharpness. Like Jesse loves the beautiful game. She loves to build. She loves and the reality is Jesse's playing, I would say, at a six on 10. Mm. And I say the same thing about Kadisha, and I'd say the same thing about Ashley. And love these women, my teammates, and I'm going to critique them. I love they, how you've got your jaunty manager's cap on now. Oh, it drives Keep me going. wild. They must get sharper. And I think the NWSL, you can critique it all you want. Um, it's moved away from pure transition. There are coaches that are coming in that are really playing. There's a surface problem that's being addressed in in Portland and that it's it's artificial. And I think, you know, players are worried about their legs and longevity on that. But that's being changed at Portland. I think it's a really strong move. Um, I think that uh, she will be forced to play in a way that will only help Canada, which is she's going to have immediate pressure. She'll be playing with with good players that aren't. Um, that there's a, there's a space for her on the field. She has to play, but it's the opposition that I'm most excited about. They will be in her face immediately where the WSL can be a lot calmer in different games. Uh, Miriam brought up that there's, there's totally different types of games um, in, in England that you play. You could be playing Arsenal one week. You'd be playing a Birmingham the next where you're having, and I know that's disrespectful to Birmingham. It's just different money that's being invested into those teams. So you've got a really big um, jump in skills in talents. Um, that is super disrespectful, but it is. Just just before Claire jumps in, do you think her ideal position would be as a number eight, like a a box to box midfielder or a more advanced, even in a 10, like an attacking midfielder? I think she wants to be a 10, but uh, she plays like an eight. She just runs, she runs and runs and runs. And, and, you know, part of that is stopping her running that much. And I mean that, you know, I think we had this idea that, oh, look how much this player has run. How much of that is effective running? And that's the same for Jesse. Like you, she puts in a huge workload every game. How much is effective? I want her in better areas. So hopefully Mike Norris and having a, having a, a team that's built around, she can play a 10. I want her a 10. I want her scoring goals. I think it'll help Canada. I think it's a, a part of her game she needs to work on, but I think she'll end up being an eight because she can't stop. <laughs> Just uh, can't stop. Claire's Sorry. gesturing madly. No, I just, uh, <laughs> I'm being tested badly. Um, the, uh, I think pace is the thing that she needs, right? So I think that I agree there's this kind of, um, this, this, a bit of a disconnect between how she's playing, how she can play. And, and, and I think that there's, there's something that you can't replace about, um, about match fitness. And, and, and it certainly comes down to kind of the pace of the play. Um, and you can't replace that just with training. And, um, and so I think, 
yeah, when when I heard about her move, I only had kind of positive thoughts about that, with the caveat that I hope she plays. <laughs> Because it, it doesn't seem like a smart move if she goes and doesn't play any more than she did at Chelsea. Um, you have money and not play someone. She'll be right. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, right. Like I mean, it makes that makes sense. It's rumored to her. be a record two hundred and fifty thousand pound transfer fee or four hundred and twenty eight thousand Canadian dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I, not playing. That's a huge move. Chelsea's like okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I and I, I think, I think the that I would hope that the plan is like immediately featuring. And are you putting tape on my neck? As <laughs> um, one does. But I think the plan would be to to immediately feature, and that I think that's a really that's a really good sign. And um, yeah, honey, I'm busy, sweetheart. Can you give me five more minutes? Thank you. Um, and I think, I think, anyway, pace, I don't know. I'm sorry. We're fading here and I got to get into school and <laughs> okay. I have well, no more coherent thoughts. I'm just glad that she's in a position where she's probably going to be playing more. Yep. That's great. If you have to bounce Claire, we get it. Thank you. Yes, for I'm going. Up. Thank you, okay. Miriam. That was fun. I'm going to see you guys later. Okay. Bye Claire. Okay, bye. <laughs> Rian, before you said, just before we'll wrap up, because we'll, we'll keep this tight. I said it was going to be 45 and now we're at 52. But you said she she wants to be a 10, but she's more of an eight. And I feel like that's me in my daily life. Like I want to be like a 10, but I'm realistically probably a six on 10. But I, I live my life trying to be a 10 on 10. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. And uh, you and your therapist, I think, um, it's it's not a I don't mean that a, an eight is the hardest. It's such oh a Oh my gosh, so much so much thankless work. Thankless work. And she does that naturally and she's so good at it. I think a ten, it's it's a feeling that you get you you it's it's a rare player that can really, really nail a ten because it's a timing piece like mm-hmm. in the box when you're breaking the line. Doesn't everyone want to nail a ten, Rian? <laughs> um that's on me i'll left that for yep. you um, mm-hmm. but uh i i think she will get time at the 10 i do i think uh and i think portland's a great shout for her she's someone who likes to be comfortable um and she's very good friends with jesse fleming obviously christine's there but also mike norris is the coach and she, that's someone she's worked with a lot with the national team i know she really gets on with him trusts him um and will buy into what he's doing there so she'll be playing i think she'll have an instant impact i think uh you'll see her very quickly settle in um to that team i think it's actually a great shout with the players they have um and that they've traded. I mean, they lost a great player in Rocky Rodriguez. Um, yes, who moves but, to Angel City, right? And maybe a good move for her. And I say that, I uh, think she's wonderful. Um, but I hope she gets the minutes that uh, that she deserves. And it opens up, uh, you know, for Jesse Fleming, like really clear 90-minute players now on both those teams. Great. Well, I think we'll end it there, guys. We're out of time. But, Miriam, thank you so much for coming on. And for anybody who does not follow you, where can they find you? <laughs> uh she scores bangers on youtube twitter all streaming platforms yeah kept it nice and simple everything the same yeah <laughs> honestly you're badass so like if you're not following miriam you need to be following miriam and like and subscribe to footy prime the podcast and to broadcasts so keep broadening your horizons and thanks for listening everybody and hopefully we'll have another one of these episodes in, in the coming weeks but we're shooting for for once a month and maybe a little bit more frequently if there's events like the women's gold cup coming up and and she believes in all the stuff that in the lead up to paris uh this summer so thank you so much for listening bye bye this episode of footy prime has been brought to you by fubo tv and by tony vett make sure to subscribe to footy prime wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on twitter at footy underscore prime and on instagram at footy prime ig Thanks again, Miriam. You've been in great. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for inviting me on. This was like literally like I mentioned as an avid listener on my commute. Like this was such a pleasure to to join you and Rian and and Claire. Like it's it's my honestly honored. Well, it's our honor. Thank you for for giving your time and thanks for for coming on. Of course. Thank you. I have to figure out how to stop record here. Sure. Aha. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.